This is episode number 84 with Mark L. Rockefeller. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, a lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author, and speaker, Barbara Allen. And today, we have another exceptional American for you on today's show. His name is Mark L. Rockefeller, and he is the CEO of Street Shares. And his company's mission is to bring trusted digital finance to America's heroes. Street Shares has helped tens of thousands of veterans launch and expand their businesses, and they are lending money to these entrepreneurs at a faster speed, lower rate, and more supportive manner than any bank can offer. In this episode, Mark shares his story of risking his own family's financial security to pursue his belief that he could be the solution to a serious problem facing veterans today. He also offers insight into how to get your own business funded and how to prepare yourself to take your own entrepreneurial leap. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Mark L. Rockefeller. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Mark L. Rockefeller is a nine-year veteran of the Air Force. He left the military and returned to civilian life in the height of the worst economic recession this country has seen in decades. He was able to move through the economic turmoil, though, and start a new career as a Wall Street attorney. But Mark soon realized two things that led him to leap out of Wall Street, away from his financial security, take that entrepreneurial plunge, and wind up doing something to help thousands of other veteran entrepreneurs start their own business and find their own footing in this life after service, which is so awesome. Today, he's the CEO, of course, of Street Shares is what we're referring to. And we are very happy to have nailed him down for an American Snippets interview. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we love everything that you're doing. Like we had just talked about before, I think we are very like-minded uh, you know, patriots. And I think our community uh, is definitely one that is going to absorb those of you who, who may not have heard of Mark will absorb this um, fully. And those who may are going to enjoy the chance to get to know him a little bit better deeper as we plunge into everything you're up to. So let's start where we start. Nine years in the Air Force. Can I ask you, because this is something people often ask, what is it that even called you to serve? Uh, My family has a rich legacy of military service. Uh, My dad was in during the Vietnam era. My grandfather actually is one of the very few folks who served in both World War I and World War II. Wow. Uh, World War One in the Army at uh, something like 17 or 18. Oh and then World War Two, I think at age 43, uh, he signed up and went back in in the Navy Seabees. So, you know, there's a there's a rich legacy of that. Um, and we just live in a very special country. And that country requires that people sign up and they go and serve at least for a for a time. Uh, and so it was my honor to do so. Awesome. So then what was it that you know, led you to realize after nine years, it's time to time to move forward into this next part of my life. Yeah, I mean, you know, folks go through different phases, yeah. uh, and it was, uh, you know, it was time to move on. Um, I really enjoyed my time in the military. In fact, there was there were several things that after I left that I really missed, and I'm sure a lot of your guests articulate a similar thing, right? There's the 
you know, the sense of commonality of a unified purpose, patriotism, serving something bigger than yourself. Uh, those were things that I, that I found in the military and didn't find when I first left and went to the civilian sector. Uh, so we had to um, build something ourselves uh, where, yeah. where we could pull in those values. Yeah, and that is something that obviously a lot of people talk about when they leave the military. But you know what? Um, what I know, what I always try to hammer home too, is that certainly veterans are a community that feel that very strongly. But a lot of the things that you all go through are things that a lot of people go through anytime they have a giant upheaval and their purpose that they've invested so much of their physical and emotional, you know, time and energy into is kind of yanked out from underneath them. So a lot of what um, you're going to have to say today is going to apply to anyone really who has like, you know, kind of left one intense part of their lives and is moving into another and is kind of stuck in that that gray area, Um, which is one reason I love talking to veterans so much because you all, the, the people that come forward and are willing to share your stories and all that, you all have so much to offer to other people going through that, you know, it's not so common for somebody even, you know, who has a divorce or something to come forward and share that story. But yet there's millions of people who are getting divorced and feel this loss of purpose and are experiencing some of the same on a different level, right? Um, But some of the same struggles and they get trapped in that. So when Mm -hmm. they get to hear from veterans who go through something on such an enormous level, I think every lesson that you all have to offer really trickles down Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. helps people in all walks of life too. So I appreciate that. Can you talk about when you got out? It was in 2008 and it was not such a very good, prosperous time. Yeah. So I, I came back from Iraq in the summer of 2008. Uh, didn't actually leave until 20, 2010. Okay. Um, but um, you know, when I came back, uh, the financial crisis was just about to start. Um, I actually yeah. came back from Iraq in May 2008. Okay. And as most folks know, it's things things sort of kicked off, um, you know, that 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 summer and that fall. And I was representative of a generation of veterans who would later in the coming years, like I did, leave the service. And then many of them would try and start businesses. Uh, I'm not sure that your listeners know, but there's a very rich heritage in America of military veterans becoming business owners. One of the most common stats that is thrown around is that the World War II generation, 49% of that generation went on to own or operate a business at some point in their lives. So almost half, it's huge. Yeah. For my generation, uh, those who say they want to is about 25%, and those who do is actually much smaller than that. And one of the problems is we left the service and entered the private sector in the wake of the of the worst financial crisis in decades. Yeah. And so unique to my generation, the Iraq Afghanistan generation, uh, there was this barrier, this wall that was thrown up in our way uh, that you know had to be overcome. So I spent a couple of years after getting out, pardon me, um, uh, uh, working at a Wall Street law firm uh, and got smart and uh, j- just just smart enough to be dangerous in terms of yeah. how money works and how it flows. And, uh, and then um, met a very, very talented co-founder named Mickey Conson, and he and I had the idea for Street Chairs. And, I mean, how did you, it's one thing to say, hey, we see this going on, but to, to develop that, to flesh out that idea, right? Like, you see yeah. this issue, you see that going on, and then, I mean, 
you can say, oh, we had this idea for street shares and then we just made it happen. But for most people who don't understand the financial world like you do, I mean, you're going up, almost going up against the banking industry. We are. Yeah, yeah which is like, hello. And, you know, I mean, what worse enemy could you really get in the country if people look at it like that? Not like you're an enemy of it, but a lot of people would find that daunting and terrifying, you know. And so um, how have you managed to do that? And what is the approach you took? to that enormous thing of why weren't you guys scared to do that? Yeah, we were, (laughs) we were. Yeah. So the short answer is everything sounds easy in hindsight, you know, you know, to look back and, uh, uh, and describe it briefly. Uh, what we've done is sort of, um, we're doing to banking what say, you know, Uber did or Lyft did to taxis, right. Which is we're disrupting it. Now, disrupting banking is a very complicated thing because it's it's large, it's entrenched, it's highly regulated. There's a bunch of, uh, of stakeholders that are all very powerful, influential, and have a lot of money. Um, what we did is we focused on the need. And the need in this case is veteran business owners need loans, right? They've got to be able to grow their business. And the banks weren't there for them in the wake of the crisis because they were all retracting from doing lending. And we had this basic theory. Um, based on some principles of, of, of what's called behavioral economics, which is that uh, social loyalty between groups of people like veterans or the, um, or the military community could be harnessed, and it could be harnessed to actually improve financial services. And so the idea is very, very simply, if I'm making a loan to you and you're a military veteran or, or, or in your case, a spouse, and the money is coming from your fellow members, your fellow patriots, your fellow members of the military community, uh, instead of coming from some you know, big distant bank, that you would feel a heightened sense of obligation to pay that back, right? Yeah. Yep. When I was in Iraq, I saw people do incredible things for each other, acts of sacrifice and courage, uh, because that person next to you was your brother in arms or your sister in arms. Yeah. And the theory was, my goodness, wouldn't they at least pay each other loan? You know, if they would die for each other over there, wouldn't they at least pay each other loans back here, back in the U.S.? And so our theory was that we could sort of harness some of that loyalty and use that to improve lending. And if I can make a loan less risky, then I can charge less money for the loan, charge lower interest rate, and then I can win in the market on price. Uh, and so that was the basic idea. And turned out it was a pretty good idea because street shares shares has taken off. So can you tell us, say, you know, I'm, I'm looking to start my company, my business. I can't get funding from the bank. I find street shares. How do I go about the process of applying? You know, what are some things that I need to have in my foundation before I am ready to go to you and, and apply? At a bare minimum, we need folks to have been around for a year and have 25000 in revenue, okay. uh, which is a fairly fairly low standard, right? Yeah. Fairly easy. Yeah. Um, we don't do pure startups on the, on the street shares incorporated side. We do have a foundation uh, that does grants for startups on that side. So whatever your stage is, your solution probably starts at street shares. Uh, streetshares.com is where you go to learn about both the loans. Uh, ways that we have for the public to invest in those loans yeah. uh, and our foundation where you can get grants. And so really, if anyone is, a you know, from a business owner to an aspiring entrepreneur uh, to someone looking to invest in veteran businesses, all of that happens at streetshares.com. 
Yeah. So are you exclusively for veterans or can a non-military or non-veteran individual? Yeah. So we are focused on that community, but it's not exclusive. About 80% of the dollars that we provide go to veteran-owned businesses. Yeah. Um, of the remaining 20%, a lot of them are military spouses, uh, you know, you know, family of military members, that kind of thing. So it's, 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 it's pretty tight to that community. Yeah. On the investment side, anyone who is patriotic and wants to support veteran businesses can invest. Um, the product is called a veteran business bond. And we invented it, and I'm pretty excited about this. Of all the things that we've done, this is the one that's yeah. that's that's um, uh, uh, it's the coolest, I think. Um, we used a change in the law uh, that happened in 2012 to create basically America's first veteran social impact investment product uh, that's been qualified by the SEC for public sale. Uh, and nice. so um, it's a very unique product that allows people to make some money, access their money because it's fairly liquid, but also know that their money is going towards supporting veteran entrepreneurs. Uh, and I think everyone is looking for ways to do good and do well. Yeah. Uh, and there's very few chances to find that. So that's what, what we provide. That's pretty cool. Man, you guys just went out there and just blazed a trail. Like, yeah. <laughs> both yeah, it's, that's cool. That's, 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 you know, it's a great thing about America, right? That we can do that. Yeah. You can have an idea and you can take it all the way. There's very few countries where you can do what we've been able to do here. And I'm very grateful, uh, you know, you know, for, our, you know, our members and our investors and our supporters. Uh, it's yeah. been a team effort all along. Yeah, that's great. And for, you know, sitting on the outside looking in, and there's a lot of people in the country who do feel like, it makes us all happy to see the veterans, you know, coming home and availing themselves of the yeah. opportunities that they gave so much for. Yeah. So it's a great full circle, I think, you yeah. know, that is completed, yeah. and it's really awesome to see. And uh, and I'm sure you guys even feel that a little stronger than the rest of us. You know? Yeah, you know who we see a lot of of um, investment from? It's the um, the Vietnam generation. Oh my God. I because love those the men, Vietnam veterans. I do too. Yes. I do too. So those men and women came back Yeah. and let's just be honest, they were not treated the yeah. way they should have been treated. Period. Yeah. Stop, right. Yeah. And you know, they're now in their, you know, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Um, and amazingly, they're not sort of passing on the bad treatment that they received. Right. They're very graciously reaching out. They're doing a yeah. ton for the younger veterans like me. who yeah. are coming behind them. Some of our biggest investors are folks from that era who said, you know what, I want to make sure that no other veteran was treated the way that I was. Yeah. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to support them. I'm going to coach them or mentor them. Um, those men and women of that generation have been huge supporters. They're amazing. And, you know, they do so much for the gold star community too. Right. The veterans, um, they come back and I mean, on and on the way that the Vietnam veterans have personally impacted my family and then so many other veterans. So that's actually, that just makes me happier to hear. I'm like, you know, like I need more evidence that the Vietnam veterans are, are awesome. I'm like, man, the things that they've done are just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And it's a win-win for them too. You know, they're doing well by doing good and they're availing themselves, even if it's, you know, decades down the road, some ripple impact, like what you're doing, for instance, is able to reach back and, and help the Vietnam veterans in a different way too. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
even more props, man. That's right. that might be my favorite part of what you're doing because I, they're so near and dear to me, the um, veterans. I go on and on about them all the time. Um, so what was it like for you then? Now you're this, hey, what is it like to be a, an attorney on Wall Street? Is it like fiercer than, than you know, being over overseas or on deployment? Is it like a more stressful environment? Is it like you're working 900 hours a week? Is it is is it like really a high rate of burnout there? There is. Um, I was at a uh, D.C. office of a Wall Street law firm called yeah. Milbank, Tweed, Hadley and McCloy. Uh, spent a lot of time working on um, the Lehman Brothers collapse, for example, trying to get creditors or investors their money back from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you work a lot. Um, uh, the main thing about it was when I was in the military, I felt like I had, you know, like I was um, I was doing good. Uh, you know, the pay, as most folks say, is okay, right? right. You know, but, but I was doing good, doing well, eh, not so much. Right. When I was doing the, um, you know, the Wall Street work, I was doing well, uh, but I wasn't doing, doing much good, right? right? And the real sort of uh, catalyst for leaving was let's build something where you can do, do both. And that's very hard to find, I think. I think, I think everyone's looking for it. Yes, but it's very hard to find chances to do good and do well. Yeah. Uh, we've built that, and that gives us um, uh, a lot of options in terms of like talent, right? We get our absolute pick of the most talented folks in town because everyone is looking for a chance to do good and do well. And yeah. if you go and work at a startup, you know we're, we're only five years old, right? Go and work at a startup, you know that's that's increasing in value, and every single day, you know that you can. You know, get up, look yourself in the in the mirror, and know that you're helping veteran entrepreneurs. Uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty attractive choice, right? Yeah. And so we get a lot of great talent back behind me. Here is some of our you know some of our team here. We've got uh, 55 folks uh, in one office outside of Washington D.C. Oh. And um, you know, we have some you know amazing employees and investors and and you know customers and members because there's that common um, common goal that we all share, which is you know it's important to make money in life. But it's frankly more important to do it the right way and to do some good along the way. Yeah, yeah, super, super important. So, I mean, is that the overwhelming? Was that whole feeling that you just talked about what allowed you to kind of overcome any uncertainty you may have had about leaving that financial security and starting? Because anybody who started any, you know, entrepreneurial endeavor, right, knows that it's it's you it's uncertain and especially yeah. if you're leaving that secure income to go to this you know there's that plunge that you can take and it's, it's just not an easy road it's exciting it's exhilarating right but it's not easy right so was that that certainty that you just talked about is that what allowed you to kind of overcome any of that uncertainty that you may have felt and take that leap so for me, uh, it was a really big risk because, yeah. uh, you know, I had married, I had uh, three kids, I had four now, I had three then, and I was the sole breadwinner in the family. So my, my wife was a stay-at-home mom, and so I was it, right? Uh, and a law firm job, you know, we made, made a nice salary, and I was going to give all that up uh, and try something new that was a very aggressive plan. Disrupting banking, as you said, is a pretty ambitious Ambitious goal. I'm just gonna go there and mess with right. that lion right, right there. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess two things sort of propelled me. Right. One is uh, the need was great. 
right? Veterans were not getting funding. I personally believe that veterans make great entrepreneurs. So that was a bet that I was willing to make, right, on their on their success. Um, and the second thing is, and this, you know, may or may not be relevant to your audience, but uh, I'm a Christian yeah. and I and I have faith. Um, and, you know, what I, what I make for a living, what I do for a living doesn't, doesn't define me. Um, and I'm going to be okay, uh, taking risks, uh, because I have that, you know, I have that faith. And so that was, that was a huge support, frankly, that, you know, made this possible. Yeah. And that is very important. And I think that is another thing that I have noticed and a lot of people who strike out, you know, and do that is that core faith. And a lot of people, they they want their life to have meaning, right? You don't right. want to get up when you're you know, moving on in life and look back and say, you know, what is this stood for? And I talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, I had this great purpose before I was doing all these things I felt amazing about. And then I'm in a cubicle and I'm making money for somebody else so that they can buy out another company and fire. For, you know, it's like, when you find that your life, you when you develop the feeling that what you're doing is of no relevance or doesn't matter or isn't providing real value to the world, mm-hmm. it kind of starts to like eat at you or chew at you, mm-hmm. right? And it's uh, and then all the money that you have doesn't really matter because you you lose the ability to even enjoy it. So, yeah, there's something actually much deeper than yeah. that as well. And what one of the common speeches that I give sometimes, I'll I'll, I'll speak all the time to veterans groups and such. Uh, is how the military veterans community, yeah. uh, so folks who have served their spouses and families, are uniquely positioned to solve a lot of the problems that we're facing right now in our country. Okay. If you look at the problems that we're facing, um, you know, there's division uh, along racial and ethnic lines and economic lines and everything else. There's a lack of common purpose, right? There's mistrust or distrust of institutions. What other institution in America outside of the military trains people specifically for those three things, right? You know, we are trained to work across cultural lines. Right. Uh, You know, you know, the beauty of of America is you take a cross section of Americans of every, you know, background, color, and creed, and you put them together and you give them a common mission, a common goal. Uh, and they go forth and they do it, right? There's very, very few other institutions that sort of train people to do that, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, the, the institution of the military certainly isn't perfect. Any of us who have been around it uh, have plenty of, you know, horror stories of ways yes, that they yeah. didn't work out all that well, right? Yeah. But you, you work through it and you work around it and you, and you fix it. Um, you know, there's, you know, 250,000 new veterans produced every, you know, year in America when folks leave the service. In my view, those folks are a national treasure. They're the yeah. most qualified people in the country to solve the exact problems that we're facing right now. Yeah. Um, all we at Street Shares do is just enable them to do it with some, you know, with some coaching and some and some funding. Um, but I think they're a national treasure. And, and, and you know, um, I'm honored to just have a, you know, have a support role in helping them do what they do. Yeah. And you just mentioned something here I want to talk to, because you don't, Street Shares does more than just provide funding and loans. You just reference it there. You do coaching and mentoring. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I think that is another hugely important step, right? You can say to somebody, yes, here's your funding. And then if they are maybe lacking or a little 
yeah. you know, don't understand fully, you guys arm them, them with extra help. Yeah, there's been several studies done on what military veteran entrepreneurs need. And it basically comes down to three things, right? One is funding, obviously. Uh, two is uh, coaching and mentoring. And three is a network, right? Which makes sense, right? So if you take two business owners, person A is a veteran, right? They were overseas fighting in some foreign sandbox while person B was making connections at the country club and with lawyers and accountants and you know, salespeople and all that. Yeah. And so they do come back, you know, we veterans do at a bit of a disadvantage. What we have though is a grit that is frankly, in my view, better than non-veterans. Yeah. say that. And ultimately, grittiness is what matters in business. And so I will bet on a veteran every single day, but they need the capital, they need the coaching, and they need the network. So Street Shares Inc., what we do is make the loans. Street Shares Foundation provides grants for those earlier stage companies that we can't lend to, obviously. And then um, coaching and mentoring. So we partner with Sam Adams Beer, uh, another great American brand, and we host these speed coaching events, which are a bit like speed dating, but it's business coaching. Yeah. And we have extraordinary folks come in as coaches who are just very, very expert in what they're doing. Uh, and you know, veterans come in, they'll rotate around in a given night. They'll speak with five, six, seven of these people wow. um, on the specific topics that they need. You know, uh, you know, form your LLC, um, design your logo distribution plans. I mean, we, we, it, That's it, so it, cool. it specific. Yeah. And they'll just go through and get everything that, that, that uh, they need in a certain night. Um, we have really transformed aspiring veteran entrepreneurs lives in a single night because they're, you know, they're given everything that, that, that yeah. they need in one setting. Um, and we, you know, we enjoy some good beer along the way. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So do you get to then hear back directly from any of the people that street shares has worked with and get to hear some success stories or yeah, we do follow up with them. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, one of my favorite stories that I tell, uh, is combat flip-flops, which I think a lot of folks know Griff and combat flip-flops. So, um, we funded them long before shark tank, uh, frankly gave, 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 gave Griff their very, very first, um, loan that they needed to scale. Awesome. Um, about a year later, he was on Shark Tank. He got a deal from, from I think, Mark Cuban, and um, I forget who else was in the deal. And, you know, that, you know, now, of course, they're off to the races, and Griff is this great, charismatic speaker now, and it's all wonderful. Um, so that's one of our, you know, one of our favorite ones to tell, because in Griff's case, he had a very unique business model, right? He was building um, flip-flops, you know, manufacturing flip-flops for Americans in Afghanistan, and the idea was that there was a factory there that when he was there as an army ranger, the fighting had displaced the workers. Right. He went back, repurposed that factory to build flip-flops of all things for Americans and put those folks back to work. Right? Um, as you can imagine, he went to the bank and said, hey, I'd like a loan to go do this. And they said, you're making things in Afghanistan. What about insurance and risk? You know, you know there's no way. Uh, and so we gave him that first bit of capital that he, you know, that he needed. Um, and then to sort of see how far the company went from there, we can sort of sit back and know that we had a small part, uh, at least early on in that, you know, uh, uh, supporting his success. Yeah, that's, that's great. So where am I? A lot of people, this is something I wanted to ask you about too, because I had seen you reference it in a, in a different article or interview. 
Um, I I heard you talk about how you had that entrepreneurial spirit and how it was sometimes mm. a little smothered in what you're doing. I am one of the gazillions of people that can absolutely relate to that, right? Yeah. I remember the point in my time where, you know, you can have that entrepreneurial spirit and not understand what it is. It can just be this feeling of unrest and discontent and you don't know what it is and it just frustrates you. Right, right. right. Um, is so, yeah is this adhd or entrepreneurship right yeah like what's wrong especially yes exactly or you know why can't i be happy in the same life that my entire family and all of my friends are finding yeah. happiness in you know and, and all that stuff that can be very very frustrating and disruptive to to a life really when you just have that constant feeling so how did you then you know you figured out obviously it was the entrepreneurial spirit but how did you manage to kind of it's not something that there's somebody who has that would, would understand, right? You can't just like let that go untended because it'll kind mm-hmm. of annoy mm-hmm. you, right? So how did you manage to kind of indulge that while you were in the military even? So I would encourage anyone who yeah. feels like they are entrepreneurial yeah. to indulge it on the side as a side hustle without giving up your day job. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that, that's the best way to do it. While I was active duty, uh, my wife and I did some real estate stuff. We had a couple of real estate companies, some fix and flips, that kind of thing, um, which actually was almost better enabled by being active duty. Because being active duty, you know that you're going to get a paycheck mm-hmm. and you know that you're going to get that BAH and BAS, right? So yeah, I'll be able to keep a roof over my family's heads uh, and food on the table. And so why not take some risks now? Yeah. So in a sense, there was kind of a safety net provided by being in the military. That sounds a bit odd, but there was, you know, economically at least, that allowed uh, us to be a little, you know, more risky and more ambitious on the entrepreneurial side. So that was kind of a side hustle while I was in. Uh, And then when I was at the law firm, frankly, I had almost no time for this. And so I had to, you know, leaving the law firm and doing this was a leap. That was a big leap for an idea that was very much untested. So that was, you know, that was a much bigger entrepreneurial risk uh, than what I was doing while I was in the military. But I knew because I had sort of fed that entrepreneurial desire while I was in the military, uh, I knew that it was there and I knew that it was strong. Cool. So can you talk a little bit about what your baseball diamond theory is? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in America right now, there's a lot of sort of finger pointing you know, this person is, you know, has this background or that background, they were born rich, they have, you know, uh, you know, you know, privileges or not. Um, Here's my view on it. There's truth to all of that, right? But my view on it is this, life is like a baseball diamond. And all of us are are trying to get home, right? Back to home base and score. And some folks are born on first base, some are born on second base, and some are born on third. And we all have the same goal, and that's to just round the bases and get home. And I believe take as many people with you as possible. Help as many folks as you can along the way. And it does no good for someone who is, you know, sitting on, you know, first base to, you know, look with envy on the person, you know, on third base. Or the person who's on third to look down with disdain on the folks on first, right? Um, We can't help where we're born, whether you're born rich or poor. Um, you know, black, white, everything in between. We can't, we, we can't help any of that. We had no choice in that. All, all you can do is take what you've been given. Um, and I believe, you know, we've got a responsibility to do as much good with it as possible. So, you know, get around the bases as fast as you can, take as many folks with as you can. Um, and if you're born in America, 
you're at least on first base. Yeah. That's my view on it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I saw that, and so I had to ask so you could share that with our. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Too, it's cool. So I asked quickly. Um, I didn't catch it before this event, but I still want to ask you about the vetties. How that went? Can you tell people a little bit about what they are? Yeah, yeah. No, this yeah. was a great event. This is sort of the Oscars of the military community. Um, I was the chairman of the board of governors for this last one, which is um, a largely a ceremonial uh, position. Uh, but we had a fantastic board. Actually, uh, Jackie was on our board. Uh, and so we kind of invited guests and fundraised for it and all of that. And, um, yeah, thanks sort of Oscars for the military community. Um, you know, I, 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 I served my time on the board and have now passed the torch. Uh, and so some other folks will do it next year. Uh, but it was a very special evening. It was, it was very authentic for those who were there. Uh, you know, it was a I think we had seven, 800 people in the room, a very elegant black tie, nicely done. Um, and, you know, unlike some of the stuff that we see on TV, you know, the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever, there was an authenticity to this yeah. uh, and a genuineness that was just really neat and really special. Um, and it was a way of honoring, you know, you know the VSOs and the, and the folks that are really serving veterans because each nominee was nominated by the veterans community and then voted on by the community as well. So it's uh, also serves a, you know, as a bit of a, uh, of a filter, um, you know, almost a veteran's choice awards, right? For who is really serving that population and, and who isn't. So it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun night. Yeah, that is great. That is great. And um, I have some people I already want to send in or have someone nominate next year because I'm going to send their names to the people involved or who can nominate. But how do you go about nominating? You have to be a member of, of the Academy of U.S. Veterans, okay. yeah. and uh, yes, um, everything happens on Vetty, uh, Vetty org. Yeah, um, and uh, I believe they're actually accepting nominations now for next year. So you should, you should nominate. Perfect. Yeah, no, I've got to go jump in there. There are a couple of people. I was like, man, these people definitely deserve that, and you know, and have something to say and offer. So it's so cool. I love. I mean, when you're just follow where your life kind of pulls you, and you just go with it. You wind up in so many unique and meaningful moments and situations and opportunities. And, mm-hmm. you know, just think back, do you think back if you had stayed at that job with the law firm, you know, how different your life would be. Can you imagine it? Right. Can you imagine like, it? Yeah. I mean, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're all trying to find that bullseye, you yeah. know, where it's sort of, you know, what we're good at over overlaps with our passions, which overlaps yeah. with what we can make a living doing. Right. You know, right. It's a Venn diagram with three circles on it. And when you find that overlap, you know, you do it. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed to be able to, um, you know, support a lot of people that I care about, support the community that I care about uh, and make a living doing it too. So, yeah, it's great. So here at American Snip is part of why we started this is a lot of what you spoke about. Um, yeah. You know, and we, we really just, got tired of hearing all the dissent and the division in the country. For me personally, having lost my husband in service, it was upsetting for me to see people not taking advantage of what he gave himself for really and what our family um, gave for. And just, you know, this is terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. And we were like, no, you know, we realize that this country is way better than what is being portrayed in the media and what we're Mm -hmm. being allowed to see. So Part of that is we believe that the American dream is very much alive and well, and you're a good example of all the different unique avenues people can take to follow that path to the American dream. And we really enjoy asking our guests 
you know, to talk a little bit, like, what does the American dream mean to you? How would you define that? I would sum it up, I guess, in two things. Uh, One is individual liberty. And I think that's what sets America apart from, you know, there's other Western developed wealthy countries. But the fact that we have so much individual liberty here, and that's something that I really cherish, and I and I uh, and I support policies that are more, um, um, you know, you know, focused on on individual liberty. Um, the second thing is this idea of upward mobility, meaning you can be born into a lower class family in the U.S. first base, right, and you can get around to home base. Everyone can, right. Um, it's hard. There will be bumps along the road. Uh, it's easier for some people than others, right? But everyone can get around to that, you know, to that home base. And, um, you know, it means something different to each person. Uh, depends on what their goals are and, you know, their, their belief system and their family and all of that. Uh, but for me, it's, uh, you know, can I get around to home base? And can I um, exercise as much and, and support as much individual liberty as possible? Awesome. Um, one little just quick fun question just for fun. Sure. If there was uh, somebody that I could call up today or wave my magic wand and just poof and plant right there in your office next to you, you get to spend the whole day with that you've never met before. Still living. Still living. Still yes. living. Um, so despite his recent marijuana smoking, uh, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. Uh, just yeah. um, his, his capacity to do so much at one time. You know, he manages his day uh, down to the five-minute increment. He has different assistants who work for him for for his different businesses, and you know, his dates are scheduled down to the five-minute. Mine are scheduled down to about the fifteen. Um, but I'm just in awe at his capacity to do as much as he does, and as many sort of really sort of outlandish forward thinking things. Um, I think he, he would be a lot of fun to, uh, to spend some time with. So uh, we would probably do a beer. I don't think that I would share a doobie with him. Uh, that's not my thing, um, but I would love to spend some time. Fun. All right. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. We know that our community is going to love getting to, to hear a little bit more about you and street share. So really we appreciate you taking the time to share it with them. It was my pleasure, Barb. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today and listening in to this episode of American Snippets. would also like to thank Mark L. Rockefeller for being here today as well, sharing his story and telling us all about the wonderful things Street Shares is doing for this nation's entrepreneurs and our American heroes. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the full featured article that we did on Mark and Street Shares. You can do that over at American Snippets. It's the featured article of the week, americansnippets.com forward slash zero eight four. We'll include some links there and how you can follow social, uh, follow Mark uh, on social media and learn more about Street Shares and how you might be able to take advantage of what they offer. Again, if you got some value out of this episode or any episode that we've done in the past, please let us know about it. Please let us know your thoughts, comments, and do that on social media. You could tag us at American Sippets on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews go a really long way in helping us get these stories out there. And quite frankly, these are stories that need to be heard. 
Appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week. 